0: I thought the the meetup went really well. It went better than I expected, actually.
1: So where did it it all go wrong? (laughs) Wrong. You're listening to PHP Ugly, episode 69, recorded July 13th, 2017. Today we talk about last night's meetup, remote worker pay, PHP test fest, secure updates, and a whole lot more. Here we go. I'm going to step off the lamb now. It's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind.
0: That's right. 1969, one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. Episode 69, coincidence? I think not. You were listening to PHP, I'm pretty sure i'm john Congdon.
1: <laughs> i'm tom right out
0: hey, hey eric eric's not here yeah, sitting in for How's eric going, is tom? this wrench <laughs> i thought it was supposed to be a crowbar crowbarring these things into i couldn't the couldn't
1: find the crowbar but i think a wrench will a wrench will do for his his replacement for now how you
0: doing good i did my best eric impression trying to come up with some sort of intro
1: i haven't heard it yet but i'm sure oh. it's perfect
0: it's just that quote, I, and then I, so I played the I played the sound effect and then still said it anyway. excellent so a little redundancy in there. We're good to go.
1: yeah, so we we don't have uh, Eric to provide filler for us today, so this is going to be our our 10 minute episode.
0: if that, not only filler but we don't have him to steer the ship, and he's so good at that piece he is he, he he's undervalued although i will i
1: will cut you if saying that from the the edit in the podcast <laughs>
0: it'll live on forever on youtube where that is for sure
1: where three people have seen it so what have you been up to this we're week up to one I, viewer i i got some cryptic message from you on twitter about some great wave that's coming that's going to be amazing and awesome and everyone's going to be impressed and happy yeah, we're just...
0: And, and we're still not going
1: to talk oh, about it yet. Geez. So, And I was really excited for, for tonight, too, because I wanted to hear about this. Uh, but then when Eric let us know that he wouldn't be able to make it tonight, I realized that today wasn't Wednesday and that it was actually Thursday and tonight was recording night. Mm-hmm. Because my kids are back and time has lost meaning.
0: Ah. Yeah. And you, and you were able to get on before 10 o'clock? Yeah. Yeah, we... uh I am well, impressed. it's 11 here. Oh, that's true. But you're still normally not available till 10 hour time, I thought.
1: No, I just usually wait until you guys have your ducks in order.
0: Oh, that's true. My kid is all about trying to keep us in his room now. Oh. Constantly. Yeah. Tonight it was, I, I go to walk out, I gotta go potty. Okay, let's go. Get him back in his bed, about to walk out, I gotta go potty. And we're, I mean... We're potty training, but we're not because he can. He's doing it so well. And then I go out to leave a third time, and he tried again. I'm like, "No, I'm out.
1: Peace." Just wait till he leaves a present for you and in his bed.
0: Yeah, I told you had to go whatever. potty. Now you got to clean this up. <laughs> it's your fault, not m- <laughs> your fault, not mine. Yeah. So, um, what were we talking about? So, you were asking about the week. I, I was asking about what the, this big oh, fancy no.
1: project is that you won't tell me about.
0: Not yet. It's, the wave its <sighs> building. The wave is building. When it comes crashing in, then you're like, oh, it makes so much sense. Because you, you keep saying wave. Google wave is coming
1: back. Aren't no, you excited? No, I don't want Google wave back. I want in on the top <laughs> secret
0: information.
1: Maybe you should, you should hire... You, want, you
0: know, the top secret information that's live on YouTube right yeah. now. <laughs> that's not how this Donald works. Donald Trump Jr. does it. Why won't you? <laughs> Fair point. Fair point. This is the president's son. Let, let me have a, a... You don't get smarter than that. Let me have a, a, let me have a little bit more wine. Maybe I'll spill Loosen the beans. Loosen you up. If, oh. Yeah, and as soon as I do, Eric would shoot me dead. <laughs> So, so, I soon it's it's coming. We'll 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 reveal soon.
1: I heard you had a uh, a raucous meetup last night.
0: A raucous, a raucous meetup, huh? meetup. Is that how you
1: would describe it? Well, no, that's sort of what I heard. That's how it was described. There, there, it was described that way. There was a lot of excellent we, discussion we have... and some minor altercations.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's one of those things. So, I gave the presentation last night, and the title of the the presentation was advice for PHP developers. And this came about from, uh, because we do once a week, we do a co-working session. So there's lots of people in San Diego that work from home and Eric and I often get together just to co-work and we decided to open it up to the group. And we often get people into that co-working session just talking, and then I get to look at their code and know that they're a brand-new developer. Yeah,
1: it's not hard to tell. Fresh out
0: of sc- yeah, they're fresh out of school. Uh, some just cr- finished the uh, coding boot camp. So you start to see these patterns, and then you start asking questions, and you get the deer-in-the-headlights look of, I don't know what you're talking about, or I haven't heard of that. So I'm like, why not do a presentation? You know, get some newer developers out there. I put in the meetup description that I wanted some senior level people out there to kind of facilitate conversation. My job was bring up bullet points and start a conversation. So I thought the, the meetup went really well. It went better than I expected, actually. So where did it, where did it all go wrong? Wrong. <laughs> See, you, you never want to call us to bring things up like that, but... There was a a section of my talk uh, where I referenced one of my probably one of my favorite presentations by Raphael Domes called "Your Code Sucks, Let's Fix It." I love that one, and and I watch it at least once a year, if not a couple times a year. I promote it to developers I work with often, and there there were a couple key points. So in my slide pre- in my slides, I said you should be aware of clean code i then referenced this presentation said you should go watch this presentation and then i put in two simple bullet points of examples of things he talks about in there one of them is do not use else right something that we've talked about in the past like, yeah. and that, that's and i'm a big fa- i'm a huge fan of that yeah
1: cuz it reduces nesting it improves readability and and it exits methods faster when you throw exceptions instead of catch in the beginning and
0: yeah, or it, it, or it eliminates some potential issues that you may have. So usually the else block is initialization. If something I've seen it a lot where if this set a variable else set a variable or even worse, if this set a variable else, if something else set that variable to something different and then your final else block would be, basically your, your initialization piece and my whole thing. And I agree with Raphael on this, you move that to the top. That way, if you add an else if into that block, you don't accidentally forget to initialize something. Right. So I brought up that point. I brought up the point of, uh, limiting your code complexity and code depth, not having, not having nested if blocks, not having, uh, just nested blocks in general a a loop with a if block inside of it and another loop inside of that. And then one of our members decided to say he disagreed with it all.
1: Which you're allowed to.
0: And he was defending having functions 500, a thousand lines long because it makes it easier to read. I, I disagreed with him. We, we had a back and forth and Ultimately because it it was it was going on too long, I got to a point where I'm like, How about you, you give me one of your five hundred to a thousand line functions, I refactor it, and then we have this discussion. And then you can either prove me wrong or I can prove you wrong, one of the two. I was just trying to move on. It was like this is this was going on too long. Yeah, and that happens at the so, meetups is
1: you want to engage but you don't want to over engage and then lose everybody else in the audience.
0: Yeah, and, and this guy, I mean, he he's super nice, and I can understand to a point. If you keep refactoring, you can end up 5, 10, 15 functions deeper than what you would do with a having this huge function, but the whole point of it is you understand what those sub-functions do. If your function names are clear, yes, you could end up that deep, but it's doing one thing. Yeah, it's solid development. All right. And he he just wasn't getting it. And I didn't feel like trying to, I didn't, that wasn't what my talk was about. So I didn't have slides or examples or anything to back up my point. It was, the whole point of it was, go watch this talk. It's an hour long.
1: (laughs) Yeah.
0: And we ended up spending like 10 or 15 minutes on it. I was like, if you want me to do this presentation, I'll do it. (laughs) (laughs) But that's not what the point of this one was. Flip the whiteboard around. All
1: right, since you asked,
0: yeah. But all in all, great conversation about everything. Uh, you would appreciate my third slide. I don't remember if it was my third, my second or third slide. All it had on there was the Bitcoin logo and the Ethereum logo. Nice. And that was it. So I, nobody knew what that meant. So I showed Eric my slides beforehand. And That's not going to help. He was looking at it. No, I was just. It, it was. More funny that we were sitting there at the restaurant before we, you know, we do the pregame thing. Right. And I told somebody else that, that my slide was Bitcoin and Ethereum. And Eric looks over and goes, No, I'm looking at his slides right now. He's telling the truth.
1: <laughs>
0: so my whole point in that slide was to get engagement. So I was able to ask everybody there, You know, who here does not own any Bitcoin or Ethereum? And, you know, probably. Ninety percent of the room raised their hand, and so I was able to ask why, why, why don't you? And one of the one of the reasons struck me kind of funny was he doesn't trust it. And I'm like, well, that's the whole point of it. It's supposed to be around trust. Yeah, it's a
1: trust based network. <laughs> it's it's worth
0: as much as you trust it. Exactly. So the whole point of me asking this was um, to. To say knowledge is power, understanding pieces, understanding what's out there is important. Yeah, and I. So when I, what, I think it's going to stay
1: that way. I think I don't think people will end up owning Ethereum or Bitcoin in large, uh, in the same way that if if you asked everyone in a room who had an open line of accessible credit tied to their income being automatically deposited in their bank you know it's do you have a credit card or do you have a debit card those things aren't tied to a coin you don't own part of visa but i think that kind of system is going to going to be what does take off popularly
0: i think as more people and companies get comfortable with bitcoin you'll own larger amounts of that
1: yeah but people like to think that a dollar is a dollar is a dollar. The price doesn't change, even though, you know, we see basic inflation on things like candy bars, and then we see daily inflation and deflation on things like gasoline. People still think of a dollar as a dollar, um, and with with yeah. Bitcoin, people are still in that mindset of how much, how many dollars is this Bitcoin worth? How much can mm-hmm. I cash out for? And it's it's a currency. You don't cash out on a currency. It's mm-hmm. you use it so right that's that's i think the big hurdle with the crypto stuff
0: and i to me that'd be like going we're so close to mexico going down to mexico every day and then worrying about the exchange rate right right you you, if you have pesos you're not going to be worried about did this cost me five dollars if you had a stash of them but we're not it's gonna be a long time before we get to that point with bitcoin
1: I I don't know how long I mean Ethereum is moving fast. And But
0: to me Ethereum Ethereum isn't a currency. Right? It is. Bitcoin is their whole their their whole model is to be a currency. Ethereum has so much more on top of that. Bitcoin
1: is a commodity, whereas Ethereum is a currency. And then there's exchanges on top of the currency. So you have you have these these tokens like the Geo, let's say you have twenty geo tokens, you equate them to Ethereum, how many Ethereum is that worth? Uh, and then if you want to know how much your Ethereum is worth, you measure it in the gold standard, which is Bitcoin. So it, it it's mm-hmm. like it's like trading your high risk portfolio for gold. If you go from a token to Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Bitcoin isn't, isn't the most stable, but it's more stable than the rest of the cryptocurrencies. And it has the biggest name recognition.
0: Yeah. And I think it'll get more stable over time. But anyway, so my whole point in this slide was trying to convince people that you need to know about things that are out there. And in this particular instance, I first learned about Bitcoin years ago. And at that point, it was $9 a coin. And I was doing that same thing trying to figure out how does this equate to a dollar's a dollar a dollar right yeah and at at this point had i looked into it then and invested things would be a lot different today yeah
1: certainly wouldn't be on this podcast
0: (laughs) (laughs) so i still think it's going to go somewhere just a matter of where yeah so
1: and ethereum is funny that way because it's got a lot of missing components. I've been learning Solidity mm-hmm. and there's technology being developed that is going to make it more and more viable, but it's clearly missing some stuff. Um, my first issue was interacting with contracts. So like mm-hmm. the, these examples that they give, they here's how you write a contract and here's four methods for your contract. And I read it and I'm like, great what calls any of these methods like, Oh, you have to load up yeah. geth in the command line and you have to execute the contract methods by hand calling the, the json three API or the JavaScript three API calls for it. And it's sort of, you just sort of look at it and go, so there's just, it doesn't have a way of whipping up a, a GUI like visual studio does, or there's no way of passing that along with the contract, some layout stuff. No, we got to keep it small. So, hmm. I think uh, I think something that hosts contract layouts is going to be a cool big thing, but I haven't seen anybody really doing that yet.
0: So that was my—I mean, that's been my question since I started looking into it—is that interaction, and it isn't clear for sure,
1: right? So what I've seen done a lot is people hosting websites that, behind the scenes, make contract calls. Um, so the the ethereum farming game is hosted on somebody's website and it just makes references to the contracts and that thing can be hosted anywhere and it's just doing all the heavy lifting behind the scenes for you Um, Mm -hmm. but in practice it's pretty simple there's a there's a delineating line between accessing the blockchain and doing a transaction and then the game part which is way over to the left and completely separate and it's just api calls that are different you know in the end it's just an api call from a video game to a real transaction so Hmm. there's there's ideas of how to interact out there but there's nothing design wise out there there's no one saying hey here's a fancy looking contract if you lay it out this way and it'll pull up in your metamask wallet or your Uh, missed wallet and automatically display the contract in a fancy way interesting but it'll get there all
0: right we don't want we don't want to make this yeah we don't want to make this a blockchain conversation again (laughs) we've been doing that the past couple weeks (laughs) yeah want to but that's probably not so i had an interesting thing to bring up i know a person uh that they hire remote workers, remote 1099 contract, full time.
1: I already like this person and a lot.
0: Yeah, I like him a lot too. But something struck me funny, and wanted your take on it. Their whole point when they bring somebody on, they base their pay based on where they live. So if they bring somebody from New York or San Francisco on, you know they're going to pay him top dollar. Yeah, if they bring someone from Utah, they're probably going to pay them a hell of a lot less for doing the exact same job. Sure. I This isn't uncommon.
1: And when I moved mm-hmm. out here to Colorado, this was asked of me by uh, a colleague. Somewhere, I was explaining to somebody my, my plans to move from San Diego to Colorado. And they said, well, are you going to take a pay cut? I said, no, why would I take a pay cut? And I think... Mm-hmm. I think for me, I was already making the amount of money that is theoretically based off of my value as a, an employee mm-hmm. um, and to lower it because I'm moving, but nothing else is changing because I'm working the same hours, I'm available the same hours, uh, I'm you doing the same, doing work. The same job. Yeah, and they wouldn't know that I had moved unless it's... I mentioned it to them. So for me, why would I take a pay cut? I'm moving to improve my quality of life. I'm moving to save up money that wouldn't make any sense. But I could easily see it as a negotiating tool for an employer. So when you're hiring somebody new to say, listen, you're in the Ohio market. It's not as good as it is here in New York. So don't expect New York pay for Ohio location. And if the person is a good worker, they will say, You're going to pay me the amount that I'm worth, not the amount that is dictated by my location. And that's the conversation Mm -hmm. that the two have. I, you know, I don't, I don't like the role of management or employer or boss in any way. I don't, I'm a coder. I don't want to do negotiations, but I can definitely. Empathize with people who are in the position of spending their money to hire people wanting to have every advantage in the negotiating table.
0: Mm -hmm. No, I completely get it. I mean, we bring on contractors and have that same struggle. It's as an employer or, you know, people, the person bringing on contractors, you want to pay as little as you can for the best you can get. Right, which is... But at the same time, this this whole the whole idea of location just kills me because I've never I haven't taken that into consideration with people I've brought on.
1: And I think that's
0: just a, a
1: personality type. I think there are people who are mm-hmm. aggressive businessmen who see every interaction because you're CEO, but you're a coder. You're doing coding every day mm-hmm. and coding is the fun part of the job. I think there are people who just do management and for them the negotiation is a fun part of the job. The the saving <laughs> a dollar a <laughs> saving a dollar every way they can is the fun part of their job. So it just wouldn't it wouldn't occur to you the same way that it would occur to somebody who does this as their sole interest. Because mm-hmm. they want to find the way to save every buck because that goes into their buy a yacht fund. Mm-hmm you know, and you're not, right, you're not working on buying a yacht thing. right
0: now. Yeah. That was my big thing with what you brought up with moving. It's, does anybody ever actually expect somebody to take a pay cut because they move? I think if, if I was an in office employee,
1: so if I was working in the office every single day and I said, I need to move to Colorado and be remote now, then that would open up a dialogue about, Pay differences, but if I'm already remote, I it wouldn't. I don't think it would get brought up because I'm already remote. It would shoot down any question that they have immediately. It's what's the difference? I can't even
0: see that. I can't even see that being the anything to bring up, even if you were in house and then moving to work remote. Well, I see a lot of. I see a lot of value I mean, working in house. Still... Uh, I think.
1: In certain positions, working in-house is very good. If you do stand-ups every day, working in-house is helpful. Uh, If I'm in a position of managing people, working in-house is very important. If there's a lot of communication that doesn't interfere with coding time, then in-house is helpful. But I've positioned myself very specifically not to be involved in meetings and and inter-office communication, <laughs> you know, I don't. <laughs> I want to. I want to get cool stuff done. That's that's all I want to do. But I mean, we know, right? You know, uh, a friend of ours, Robert, was adamant about people being in house. That that mm-hmm. the team functions best when people are working in house, and that a remote worker was a serious negative for him. And that. Group was a very very big uh, scrum group they had scrum masters and that type of thing and Mm -hmm. I think if you're running a team like that in-house is much more valuable
0: yeah I definitely can see that Uh, a lot of the places we host our meetups they've always been in-house companies obviously because they have a location for us to be hosted but Man, I, I still can't get over this whole idea of me moving and then taking a pay cut just because I moved. Well, you know your value. You, you've already, as a company, yeah, but as a company, you've already budgeted. You're just spending that money. So just because I move, you get to save money?
1: No. Yeah. Now, I haven't gone in for an annual review since I moved. So it, it could be that they mm-hmm. bring that up. Um, but again, if you know your value those kinds of questions are easily squashed. If you if you if you're yeah. not sure about your value, then you could be taken advantage of, sure. But Yeah.
0: And I think as a as a contractor, you quickly learn where where you're at. You know what the market rate is, not only in your area, but what the going rate for developers around the country is. And you start to learn what you need to take into consideration when applying for a job i think one of the as a contractor versus i think one of the first questions
1: anyone who's worked for a contracting agency has is how much are they billing me out at and that's Mm -hmm. part of what helps you establish that value is that other people have done the work for you and they're giving you
0: your share of their work you know and that's the that's a hard part because I'm I'm in that position that I'm basically billing out for for work, and the the nice part about most of the contractors that we bring on is we're giving you steady work. We're doing the legwork to find the contracts and close the deal, right?
1: And and that your your so, pay is included in that in that hourly rate that you're setting. For me, working,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and so you know, I right. think some Any- people will appreciate and understand that, and some people won't. I I knew people when yeah. I was doing contract work that would get upset that their contract agency was charging double what they were making. Like, yeah, they're they're doing half the work.
0: <laughs> well, I wish I could
1: charge double
0: <laughs> for what I was paying out.
1: Well, was, this was a military contract, nice.
0: so double might actually be yeah. low. Well, I, I, I remember when I was doing that for when I was just going out to do tech support and found out what they were billing me out, out as. I was like, um, what? <laughs> but then there were at that point, I wasn't a contractor. I was an employee. So there were plenty of hours where I wasn't billable, but I was still being paid. Yeah, a lot of a lot of solitary so, hours. Yeah. So interesting. So, so some news that came up. With the uh, user groups, there's a big thing coming up, and I think September, and SDPHP is going to participate. It's this big PHP test fest, and the goal is to get the PHP user groups around the world to start helping contribute tests to the PHP source code. Yeah, I'm
1: super excited about this.
0: It's, it's such an easy entryway into
1: open source code, and... I've been, uh, this week I was neck deep in tests, in, in serious tests. Uh, mm-hmm. Mockery, expects, once encrypted type stuff. And it's, I, it's something that is a skill that I know I'm lacking, and I haven't spent the time doing what I should, learning it. But, boy... This, so, this event is going to be a while. It's going to go for what, a
0: couple months? Well, it's, I mean, there's nothing stopping people from doing taking part now. It's more of just trying to get some sort of uh, motion to it, getting a lot of people involved at in a single time. Yeah, so this is so, phptestfest.org, they're... and there's
1: rewards, there's a mentorship program. There are local events,
0: and there's so much work being done behind the scenes. Uh, ben Ramsey's put out a bunch of information. Uh, Sammy K. Powers, awesome individual. He's, he's doing some videos to help people understand what we're going to be doing. So I'm definitely excited about it. I just wish I knew more about the subject as of right now. I'm still kind of gathering all that so that I can relay it to the group. So we'll get was yeah, I was, I was updating
1: fun. the uh, Iron Q thing that I support now for the Laravel Collective. Mm. And yeah, that is, that is not easy getting tests to pass. And And the worst part was I couldn't tell if I was making the test pass, like just forcing it to pass. Or if I was actually fixing a problem with the test, because the code was working. It was just the tests that were failing. And
0: I actually screwed up
1: good. Yeah, it's it's just, it's nerve wracking. It's nerve wracking working on something
0: that people use. Yeah, I, I can't imagine that. Let alone, so I wrote a test. I refactored some code and wrote a test, opened a PR for this project, and of course, Everything worked for me. the The reviewer goes and pulls and says the tests aren't passing. You know, I tried I tried doing this with our develop branch or master branch at the time, and was getting unexpected results. And I put the blame on the fact that I was using local development, and they weren't. So they had they just had new new data that I didn't have at the time. Turns out that. I forced the test to pass based on <laughs> the new code instead of writing the test on the old code and then making sure the new code worked. I just, when I saw that, I was like, "Oh my god, I can't believe I just did that." I was embarrassed. Yeah, it's
1: easy to do. You, the, this whole testing thing, man. It's my my issue with it is that it feels like doing everything twice, which I'm okay with. But it's hard to convince people above you that, yeah, you're going to take half of your time writing tests for this thing. Like, well, it's done, Mm -hmm. right? Like, yeah, it's done, but it's not testing. Like, well, we need to get it out today, so push it out. Like, if it's Mm -hmm. not testing, then the next time I change something, it could, it will break something somewhere. Mm -hmm. And, you know, usually it's just off by a pixel or whatever, but sometimes it's bad, I mean, we've had cases where, yeah. like, one in ten customers got a 404 for a for a day. <laughs> and you're like, that's super bad numbers. <laughs> this, this needed a test.
0: Yeah, that's horrible. <laughs> yeah, so one of our biggest clients, they are on board for testing, but they're not making it a requirement. And I think that needs to be done. I think you need to make it... If you're going to open a pull request, there should be tests that, that prove your pull request work.
1: Yeah, and in open source, and... the pull request... I mean, every project that I've tried to contribute to or contributed to, if the tests don't pass, the pull request is bounced back at you. It's just not going to... They're not going to mm. get it because there's people using this. If you screw it up, they're going to be mad. And, if you, mm. know, and if, if you edit the tests, then that means that the person who's reviewing your pull request knows that something in the test had to change or you just screwed it up so that it would pass. So they review it tighter because you edited the test. But if you don't edit the tests and all the tests pass, then yeah, merge it in. That's fine.
0: No, but if you're adding new code, you need to have tests for that code for that code. But if you're, but if you're modifying
1: old tests, if you don't right. modify an old right. test, then you know at least
0: that the new code is compatible with the old code. Right. No, I agree with that. But I think, like a lot of the, the open source projects, you can't submit a pull request without a test. Or you can't add any functionality Yeah, no, a you test. have to add
1: a test if you add functionality.
0: And I, yeah, and I, and I think this client who's open to tests, like they want tests, but they don't make it a requirement to do so. And I think they should. Because that just leads to only only one or two of us that actually write tests. Yeah, and and I'm and I only do it for a small percentage of my code. And I, you know, it makes sense
1: when someone says, "Hey, you know, this car is half the price of every other car on the market, but we didn't do any crash testing with it." You just, oh, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna get in a <laughs> crash. I'll be fine. And if I do get in a crash, it's probably yeah. just as good. I mean, that's an easy <laughs> mentality to have.
0: No, <laughs> oh fun by the way somehow we are up to three viewers right now i'm impressed i bet one of them's
1: eric i bet he couldn't help himself
0: (laughs) possibly i'm super
1: busy can't make it to the podcast but i'll watch it live
0: (laughs) Alrighty. so what else is going on i
1: i realized as i was going through our our show cards i don't have any doom and gloom
0: well here i'll help you but that's that's gonna there's nice there's dramatic there's dramatic piano music playing right (laughs) now you should ease into this
1: it's gonna crush eric that the episode that he's not on also doesn't have doom and gloom because he hates the doom and gloom
0: and we had an intro
1: as good as his that's gonna kill him too he's gonna be just upset in general (laughs) so i ran across a very interesting pull request to packagist and it looks like somebody has created a group of called the paragon initiative they've got a couple projects they're doing some stuff providing services but they've developed a a sort of blockchain-ish thing
0: called chronicle so it's just so just to be clear, I don't, I don't think this is a pull request as much as it is an outline of what they would like to see happen. You're, right, I'm sorry, not a pull request. It was an
1: issue. Yeah. Um. So, Chronicle is described as a self-hostable microservice built with the Slim framework, which enables authorized users to commit arbitrary data to an immutable, append-only public ledger. Hmm. So, a one-man blockchain, basically. Interesting. And this this issue on Packagist was basically saying, hey, people updating things on their composer files don't necessarily know that they're getting secure or correct updates from the right people with the right checks and balances. I would like to help with that system by integrating my project into Packagist so that package makers can sign all of their releases. And that it's part of Packagist and Composer can read it and verify it. I thought that's a...
0: I'm actually surprised. Yeah, I'm surprised it's not there That's already. a smart
1: idea. And it doesn't surprise me because that's, we had talked about a few months ago WordPress just starting to implement this with their auto-update system was their auto-update system got compromised in a theoretical attack, and they updated to a secure update, signed update packages, so that the attack couldn't actually be executed anymore. And this is a very similar thing. Uh, But what did interest me is it appears to be one guy's project that he's sort of throwing out there in as many ways as possible, so like I found I found the story on Reddit, which linked to he he posted it on Reddit and it was a link to the issue on uh, the packages repository and just sort of saying, this is my project, please integrate it." And I was wondering, like could could a single person really go from like zero to deployed on something like this? Like I wonder, I wonder how many other projects he has issued reports for and said, "Hey, I've got this cool thing. You guys should check it out and put it into place."
0: You, did you Did you take the time to look at that? No, you know I didn't.
1: <laughs> now you ask, asking me obvious questions. You're the one that brought
0: it up. I had I didn't even think that way. You brought it up.
1: Well, it. It's and I'm not saying it negatively. I'm not saying this person is is trying to pump their own thing. I'm just wondering how much self-promotion is
0: okay. Mm-hmm. You know, this actually remi- reminds me of another issue from last night but probably best kept for off the air. Off the
1: air? That's our that's our listener's favorite yeah. segment is when we talk off the air. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there's certain
0: things that just shouldn't be said in a public forum. That's oh man,
1: the, the there's been like a bit of a shitstorm within the PHP community lately. Just just everyone arguing about code style, best practices, you know. And a couple a couple of weeks mm. ago, there was a big thing that was started with with this article about minimalistic programming. You know, not using Strict typing, not using hints—you know, tons and tons of stuff that was sort of anti what the community is trying to push right now.
0: Yeah, we talked about it. A yeah, ago.
1: and what's funny to me is that uh, this week I've been getting posts on Medium from lots of different commentators in the community that are titled, you know coding best practices coding standards for PHP it's like everyone sort of took a deep breath and then just started writing for a week and then it's all trickling out now and so you know we've got posts from from Taylor and Jeffrey and uh, all sorts of I, I saw wow I can't it's a tab I deleted apparently but just sort of the best practices stuff is is blowing out of the the woodworks right now and i think that's okay i think lots of articles on the same thing with different opinions is good because it Mm -hmm. it calls into question what all of the best standards are and why they're called best standards and how that's a loaded term and write it the way you want to write it or you can't write it the way you want to write it because you're a goddamn employee and that kind of stuff. And it's yeah. like that. I like that that discussion is happening in the PHP world and not in the comment section of a blog post because that's where it got nasty. The comments are yeah. comments are cancerous. Oh, it's always. Nasty yeah, there. it's it's dark territory
0: is it? So I, I read an interesting article that, or somebody put out there on Twitter, I can't remember which now, but best practices aren't necessarily best practices. It's more of, this is what, it's basically a consensus. It's what most people or a lot of people, influential people are doing at the moment. Right. I, I
1: can't wait until so. the Twitterverse starts talking about code smells again. 'Cause that's the most arbitrary form of of opinion. It's like the mm. definition of a code smell is it just doesn't feel right. It's starting it's starting mm. to look like it might be a problem in the future. It's like shut up. <laughs> I know. There's there are some code smells that are clearly <laughs> a problem. Nested a hundred times is a problem, but there are some code smells where it's like, yeah, you're not you're calling a repository here but then you're not using it as a repository as as much as you could or you're not calling a repository here when this should also be a repository you're like shut up like yeah sometimes i have a deadline
0: yeah there there was a video i watched recently and i think it might have been the go to series on youtube go to con and there was a woman talking about teaching kids to code and brought up this simple programming language that's available and I forget Scratch. the name of it now, but it made me, yeah, I think that was it. And it's, I was interested, so I went and started reading about it, but they recommend it for kids eight and over. <clears throat> so not something get Grayson into quite yet. And she was saying that kids can actually sense or sense, but start to recognize code smells, even though they're not being taught, what code spells are, but if you are teaching them good coding practices up front and then they start to look at other code, they start to say, this isn't right or something's not right here and kind of identifying things. And I thought that was pretty interesting. Well I I think we do teach kids coding. We just
1: don't accept that basic language skills are coding. I mean if I were to say if I were to say I'm teaching my kids grammar, syntax and and composition you might think i'm teaching them basic english skills or you might think i'm teaching them pearl you know and if you if you were to take the simplest form of a coding example it would probably look something like a dr seuss book you know just sort of this procedural making sentences that work but are kind of nonsense but all work together and have a context of their own and produce an output, you mm-hmm. know, produce a story, a last page. So, yeah, I, I'm all for teaching kids to program if they care about programming. But if they don't care about programming, uh, leave them alone. Find the thing they do care about <laughs> instead, Yeah. you know? my My exactly. oldest son is interested in Magic, the card game, and... It's easily, quickly apparent that his interest is that he enjoys the game because he is a winner. And he defines himself as a person who wins. And he also enjoys the game because he knows the the value, the daily value of every card in his collection. And he is an expert trader. So from like $100 worth of cards, he's got almost $1,000 worth of value now because he's traded around with everyone he knows and teaching him the morals of fairness and all that stuff as part of the trading system. And I know that at some point I'm going to say, hey, you want to make some real money trading? Here's this super cool tool that I have no idea how it works or understand at all that shows... (laughs) It goes
0: back to blockchain. Everything comes back to blockchain, doesn't it?
1: I was, <laughs> was going to say the stock market, but you're right. The blockchain would be really good. <laughs> nice no, these the people who make money are the people who absolutely love doing investing, day trading. You know, if you if you're into day trading because you want to make money, you're doing it wrong. If you're into day trading and because you want to make money and you love day trading, then you're going to make a ton of money.
0: Hmm. I'll tell you, kid. I got a bunch of magic cards from the '90s. Ooh,
1: hold on to those.
0: I got into it in the. Well, they're probably worth nothing now because everything oh, keeps no. getting like all the cards keep getting better and. Not at all. I don't have any of the. I don't have any of the high dollar value ones anymore. I sold all those. But me and my me and my buddies back in high school would buy the huge boxes of them and. It was just nuts. yeah he
1: hosts events with his friends where they all get together and buy a box and then win the cards off of each other and... mm-hmm.
0: that's what it was supposed to be it was supposed to be at the beginning of a game at a random draw you had you played for that card
1: yeah that got uh and it could that got bad
0: got, got away from that
1: there were problems with that <laughs> yeah it promoted it
0: promoted cheating my'm my... not sure how that is but my buddies and I spent hours playing the game and just winning cards off each other all the time. So
1: you wanna you wanna hear this? I we said earlier that the one of our listeners was probably Eric. And he mm. replied in the Slack channel. He said it he, wasn't yeah, him. he replied in the Slack channel that it wasn't him. <laughs> My first thought, of course, was guy I wonder who it is then. Like wait wait a second, if it wasn't him, how did he know that we were saying that? Oh I'm stupid. <laughs> I got it.
0: Yeah, we lost a viewer. We're down to two, so it must mean it's time to wrap things. Yeah, up.
1: we've gotten boring without uh, without Eric to carry the show. We've
0: only gone for an hour. Yeah, that doesn't include the, the time setting up at the beginning. Oh yeah. Yeah, I I feel bad. No doom what? and gloom. It was fun. You'll just have to try harder next week. Yeah. Besides, you only do it for Eric, right? <laughs> really, I really do. I. It tortures him so delightfully, well, I think this was a decent episode, not our best, but we got through it, yeah, Eric, we miss you Wait, John doesn't know which buttons to press, so we need you back. I'm not sure how to stop this thing. I got so confused at the beginning.
1: God, so much i was really done. I was really anticipating his intro for episode sixty nine though I know, we've been talking about it for a couple of weeks
0: And then I go and screw yep. it up Alrighty, well Anyway, this has been a fantastic episode This has been, this has been episode 69 I went, I, went, I went from okay to fantastic I'm John Cognon I'm Tom Ryder Keep, Keep it, it ugly, ugly. Thanks for listening to this
1: episode of PHP Ugly and thanks to our sponsor, the Diego Dev Group. If you're looking for developers who care about the code they create, the communities they build, and the solutions they implement, then reach out to the Diego Dev Group at www.diegodev.com. Show notes can be found at www.phpugly.com. Follow PHP Ugly on Twitter at phpugly. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or directly off the PHP Ugly RSS feed. A rating of five stars on iTunes is appreciated. Submit articles to PHPUgly at reddit.com slash r slash
0: PHPUgly. Until next week, keep it ugly.